here we are, just after seven o'clock. It's Thursday, August the 6th, 2020. Oh, it's like old times, isn't it, eh? Welcome to the new look, and a welcome back for me too. This is Express This Week, back on the airwaves after... Is it at least six months? Because it certainly feels like it. I think we're just short of six months, aren't we, since we've been together. But it's lovely to be back. It's lovely talking to you. Uh, I hope you've been keeping safe, keeping well, because uh, this is an action-packed programme for you. Uh, from this week and every week, we're here from seven soon till nine o'clock. Extra hour they've given me. Very kind of them, I tell you. But the pressure is on to get this right. What have they let themselves in for here at the station? I've no idea. But anyway, we've got news and views for the next couple of hours here on the 39th. So it's great to be back with you and uh, find out what's going on locally from the area from, uh, well, we're playing catch-up with you, aren't we? But certainly of the last sort of seven days or so and beyond. At uh, 10 past seven, of course, uh, we're... Keep in terms of what's going on, because this is quite important, actually, if some of you are sort of thinking about holidays, and uh, it's, it's tricky, isn't it, at this sort of time, uh, as we're currently experiencing at the moment. And we'll be chatting to Jeff Kilby. Now, Jeff's an independent travel agent. He's been on the show before with a profile guest, but we've got them back. And uh, give us the latest travel news, if you like. Perhaps some tips as well. Uh, things are ever changing, aren't they? Hopefully Jeff will be able to sort of... Send us on a, a sort of right footing, if you like. And Jeff Willis uh, about that. If you're booking a holiday, stay listening to that. At ten past seven, Jeff Willis for a chat. Our profile guests, uh, even though we haven't got them in the studio, they're still with us here on the air, be it on the good old-fashioned telephone. Uh, Chris from the Samaritans, he's been in the studio before. A couple of times, in actual fact, back with us tonight. Find out how they've been coping throughout this lockdown period and... Uh, to find out how the Samaritans are uh, have calls increase and, and all sorts of other things as well Chris here for a chat plus two of his songs at 7.25 later at 10 past 8 Gosport's councillor and county councillor Graham Burgess is with us We'll be talking and discussing about Hampshire Library closures. You might have seen this over the last couple of weeks in the local press. So we'll chat to Graham about that at ten past eight tonight. Certainly affecting Hornding and uh, Leon Soans and Elson in Gosport. So we'll find out more with Graham with us uh, ten past eight tonight about that. And our second profile guest of the night at eight twenty-five. We're talking space astronomically. Yes, Graham Bryant, another guest been in before, hasn't been here for a while. We'll catch up with Graham, lots to talk about actually. We've seen SpaceX, we've got Mars, we've got all sorts. Graham's with us for chats, plus two of his songs later in the programme. That's at 8.25. It's action-packed from now on to 9 o'clock on this week's New and Approved Express This Week. to hear that Donny Hathaway it's on the screen here but I couldn't remember who it was <laughs> oh dear Roberta Flack eh
And Donny Hathaway together there. Back together again. Nice to have you with us. Twelve minutes past on the time here. It's August the 6th, 2020. What a sticky night it is, too, across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Uh, thanks to the company. If you want to get in touch with the show tonight, you can do that. You can email us here in the studio. It's studio at expressfm.com so you can find us, of course. You can go to the website as well. All the info is on there. And you can tweet us. You can text us as well. Text your message. Um, text word express. Then your message to 81400. It finds its way magically uh, onto my screen here in the studio. You can tweet us here at Express FM and you can search for us on Facebook by searching for Express FM or to say you, know, you can uh, email the old fashioned way as I say studio expressfm.com is the address you'll need tonight. So plenty to talk about tonight lots to get through here to live to nine o'clock tonight actually it's just as well hot and sunny outside Nice and cool here in Studio 2 tonight. The penthouse suite's been looked after in my absence, this is all I can say, yeah. Actually, they've tarted up the office outside too, looking rather nice. The boys have been wallpapering by the looks of things. Very, very nice indeed, in the office area here. <laughs> uh, local news and views is the name of the game tonight. And uh, they're taught holidays, because that's all up in the air, if you pun the pun, at the moment, of course. Uh, and local independent travel agent Jeff Kilby is on the line now to discuss more of that. Jeff, good evening to you. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Are you been coping well? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. All things considered, I'm doing, doing really well. I can't complain. Good stuff. I'm glad you, you've kept well and kept safe as well. It is funny times, isn't it? Uh, the travel industry, well, Jeff, what can I say? It's it's topsy-turvy, isn't it? Because things change by the hour almost. Exactly that, yeah. I, I mean, topsy-turvy is almost an un, understatement, isn't it? Yeah. It's just completely bonkers at the moment. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, let alone in <laughs> six months' time, it's just just absolutely madness. Who would have thought, you know, when the, when the last time you came into the studio to have a chat with us about holidays and all the nice things? Well, that's and, right. You know, who would have anticipated this? Well, exactly. Well, I think it was, was it middle of January I came in. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, so it was literally a couple of weeks before it all started to kick off in China. And, uh, yeah, absolutely no idea. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, just so unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> So, what's, yeah, what's the latest advice at the moment as it stands today? Um, well, well that, that's the one thing. It really hasn't changed uh, throughout this. And if, you, if you're booking a holiday, book it with an atoll stroke abdo-protected agent. Um, that, that is the best way for, forward for making sure your money is safe because although I know there are, there are a lot of operators that are holding on to money, ultimately they are um bound to, to give it back and um it, it, your money is safe it's just taken a long time to to come back whereas if, if you book it independently you're in the lap of the gods really so yeah just, so if you really want to book a holiday book it through an amateur atoll agent is, is the best way forward um personally i i just i know i'm a travel agent as obviously as you know I, I think you're best off hanging on a couple of months and and just see it then how things pan out, I really don't think that there's any great rush to go go booking holidays at the moment because of it. It is just so unpredictable. As we saw with Spain two weeks ago, uh, you end up in quarantine. 
Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, because Spain's a funny one at the moment with the lyrics too, isn't it? And Canary Islands involved in all that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, now, yeah. you know, I know people have booked holidays. Uh, certainly, uh, the youngsters, Magaluf is going to be one, isn't it? Really. I mean, what's the mm-hmm. advice if they're travelling in September? What's the advice for them? Uh, really, just to, they've just got to hang on and, and see, see how it pans out. Because I say at the moment, it, it changes on a daily basis. The government may lift the quarantine by then. So if they're going. In September, certainly, just say if you've booked for a bonded agent, you pay pay your balance as requested. Um, And if the holiday is cancelled by the operator, you will get your money back. If you've booked it independently, i.e. you've booked your flights direct with with an airline and then got them booked a hotel or an accommodation separately, you need to go and have a conversation with that hotel or, or that accommodation owner to find out where you stand if you pay your balance and where you stand if you don't pay your balance mm. because of obviously there, your protection is far far more limited doing it that way. It's very difficult times and it's very sort yeah. of, uh, who, you know, as we said, who would have thought this was going to happen in a million years? Uh, you know, if someone really wants to sort of get away now, because obviously, you know, it's difficult to know where to go, isn't it? If you really want to go away yeah. and just have a breather, what, what's the best thing to do? What's the best advice? Well, I get. Well, first of all, book it for, as, as I first said for, yeah. a, for a, a tour operator. Book a package. Um, look up on the government website where safe to travel uh, at the top. I mean, it, sadly, it can change very quickly. But I mean, at the moment, as of this morning, sort of Greece and Turkey were were good, safe bets, um, and you won't you wouldn't have to suffer the quarantine on the, when you come back. But like I say. You just don't know that in three or four days' time you could get out there and find that they've been added to the quarantine list. So you do take a bit, which is why I say it's not a great idea to to travel at the moment. But if you're desperate to go, check the list on the government websites and book for an at-or-bonded tour operator. Do you see, you know, a few months' time, this sort of settling down, do you think there will be sort of light at the end of the tunnel, Jeff, from your sort of point of view? (laughs) Oh, I hope so. I hope there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but I must admit, I don't know when it's going to happen. We, I mean, I've been chatting to to industry colleagues, and, mm. and um, back in March, we sort of said, well, hopefully by the autumn, we'll see some light at the end of the tunnel. Then it was Christmas, and now, realistically, we're talking spring next year before we see any serious sort of tra- travel. Certainly, the long-haul market, it could eat could go way beyond that it could be a couple of years before we see the long haul market come back in all earnest and it's quite sad to think that isn't it because by the time we get to that stage yeah a lot of the jobs would have been would have been lost well they will have done yeah um, and that is a very sad truth of it but um i mean obviously there are hopefully there's things that will fill the gap i mean hopefully the short haul market will come back in in that time and maybe the great british public will rediscover the united kingdom you know uh, staying at home is a lot to be said for it i mean i know the weather's not always great but it's, it's good today isn't it yeah we, we, it surpassed itself it's, isn't it funny because since we've had lockdown the weather hasn't been too bad is it no we've been very lucky and i, I dread to think how we'd have coped if, if we hadn't had such a sort of dry, dry mm. spring 
sort of stroke summer. Yeah. You know, if if, if it had been rained on all this time, I think people would have gone mad, wouldn't yeah, they? Absolutely, Jeff. Look, um, you, you do sort of um, uh, holidays here in the UK, so you sort of hinted out there. Uh, what, what's the best? I mean, for you, uh, you're booking people's holidays for them and arranging them certainly. What, what's the best in the UK? What's what's really sort of you know. Um, taken off as it were to pardon the pun but what, what's the most popular yeah, well, well at the moment it's difficult to say but i, I camping uh, outdoor the great outdoors seems to be the most popular at the moment mm. from what the feeling i'm getting i mean the sad fact is travel agents don't book an awful lot of the domestic market are they people there is no sort of abterat or bonding in that area because and therefore people book them direct it's quite a simple thing to do, but but yeah, certainly camping is is is, is massive at the moment, and people are doing, doing a great outdoors. Um, still, there's still a, on the hotel front. There's still an awful lot of hotels that are, aren't aren't ready to open yet. So the, the hotel side is still fairly slow. But, um, yeah, self catering and camping is is the big area. I think where where the growth is for the time being. And any sort of particular places? I mean, we've seen uh, it's, it's gone mad in Cornwall, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say West Country really yeah. is, is the top one um, for, for, certainly for English holiday makers. I mean, Wales has been a bit slow with its to, to allow um, ho- holiday holiday in to come back. I think they've literally just opened the doors, but Wales will, be, will obviously be quite strong for one from now on in for the rest of the rest of the summer. Um, but yeah, the West Country really. Um, because of the weather, uh, East Anglia is always extremely good as well. It's always very dry. It's one, of, I believe, it's meant to be the driest part of the UK. Although the only time I've ever got went gone there, it, it, I got flooded out and had to come home early. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So those those are probably the most popular areas at the moment. I'd have thought. Okay, okay. Well, look, Jeff. Let's hope things pick up, and the next time we talk, uh, we'll be in a better place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Look, I'm, yeah. I said, I'm very lucky. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in, you know, I've been very fortunate without boring you with, with my own personal details. But yeah, I'm in a good place. Um, but let's hope the travel industry bounces back in due course. Yeah, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Jeff, thanks for coming on. It's good to talk to you. We'll keep in touch because it's always nice to come back to you and uh, and have another update. But if people do want to find out, perhaps details on that quarantine list, um, the, the best way of doing that is going on the government website. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think it's gov.uk, isn't it? Is, is, is the government website? If you go on there, um, if you Google that, uh, also uh, actually Martin Lewis, strange enough, is the money saving expert. If you go on his website, he's, he's normally he's got plenty of updates on there as well. It's an excellent site to look at for, for useful information. Okay, brilliant stuff. We'll do that, Jeff. Good to talk to you. Uh, thanks for coming on okay. tonight. Do appreciate right. it. We'll keep in touch. Look after yourself in the meantime. And you, Chris. Thanks very much. All Thank right, you. take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye bye. Uh, Jeff Kilby, travel agent and uh, local trust as well. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for coming on. There's some tips and some ideas as well along the way, and keeping safe too here at Express. Express this week. It's seven twenty-three now. I've uh, got to say good evening to Dave. He's driven down to Brighton, but he's going to listen to his phone. <laughs> the things people will do to listen to this show is amazing, but uh, even to you, Dave, hope you had a safe journey anyway. Great to have you with us. We're here to 9 o'clock tonight. We're going to get in touch with the show. Nice to know you're out there. Uh, you can tweet us, you can text us, uh, start your message with Word Express, and then your message at 81400. 
Or you can email us here at studio at expressfm.com and via the website as well. Here to 9 o'clock tonight with the week's news and views, or beyond that, of course. We've, we're playing catch-up tonight. Uh, a profile guest tonight, Grace Hammond with us. He's been in a few times into the studio. Sally can't be with us tonight, obviously, because of obvious reasons. But um, Chris from the Samaritans, good evening, sir. How are you? And a very good evening to you, Chris. Well, it's good to hear you again. I'm, I'm fine, thank you very much. Good Just stuff. Well. Thank yeah, you. you've been uh, sort of uh, keeping your head down. Uh, yes, yes, I have. Um, to be honest, I have started back on my duties, but there we good. go. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's good to hear you again. And, uh, yes, we've been affected, of course we have, by yeah. the coronavirus, as um, I'm sure you've anticipated. Yeah, but, um, I mean, who would have thought, Chris, as I was saying to the previous guest, uh, with Jeff there earlier, uh, who would have thought that all this would, would, would have happened? I know, I know. And... Um, uh, you know, we're certainly not out of the woods yet, are we? No, say. that's very true. Uh, and tough times out there. Uh, how's the Samaritans as an organisation been faring? Well, we've been doing extremely well. I mean, uh, we have kept our branch open, as <clears throat> the majority of other branches in the UK have done the same. Uh, we've got a fantastic, dedicated team of volunteers who have kept the branch going. Um, and really all credit to them. But um, shall we say the traffic from callers has been the same. Uh, we've had a very high volume. Um, and as soon as you're on duty, you latch up to the phone to listen to the callers. You put the phone down and it rings again more or less straight away. But I think you know, it's fair to say, Chris, that the focus of calls um, has been slightly different during the last few months, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, you know, people have been struggling with difficult relationships due to lockdown, um, isolation, not being able to see family and friends is quite understandable. Um, and those perhaps who don't have access to technology where they can have Zoom meetings with friends and family, you know, that's been particularly mm-hmm. difficult. And, uh, you know, if neighbours are going to be isolating as well, you are absolutely on your own, of course. Um, and then, of course, there's the, those who are coming out of isolation, um, out of the lockdown and um, venturing out of the community. And, of course, that is quite a difficult thing to do. Uh, people are anxious. Of course they are. And what I would say that we can all do, not just the Samaritans, but is just to be tolerant and supportive of family and friends and, um, you know, be empathetic with their situation. And they will meet up, I'm sure, in, in the future or very shortly, but, um, you know, not quite ready yet. Some people might not be. And so, you know, in their own time, as they say, which is quite a good thing to adopt. Yeah. But, you know, just getting alongside people and asking how they are is something we can all do. Yeah. Uh, and, Samantha, you said now you're back in the office, or certainly mm. now, the office is now back up and running. Yeah. That must have been difficult to try and, and work things remotely. Well, um, no, we've been working from the office all the time. Okay. Um, I mean, in our particular branch, we have three incoming lines. And because of self, you know, the, the, the distancing that has come into force, we've only been able to operate two of those. Um, but those phones at the branch have been manned throughout this period. There's been absolutely wow. no break at all, which is fantastic, as I say. Um, but, um, you know, we're here uh, still taking loads and loads of calls, lots of emails as well. Um, and, of course, you know, people are making use of our services, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and and that, that's really what we want to try and encourage. And as I've said to you many times before, Chris, mm. uh, you know, you don't have to be suicidal to phone the Samaritans. 
um, for the very reasons I just mentioned, you know, mm. people in isolation and finding it difficult to come back out into the community in their own time. They do find it difficult. Um, and when they're in isolation, things do begin to play on, on minds. Uh, and, and what is better to try and get rid of those or share those? We don't have, you know, magic wands. We're not, we're not given those at all. But to just talk through the problem is such a wonderful thing to be able to do. Mm. It takes a lot of courage to do it, of course. But, you know, we are there. We're not judgmental. Um, and it's entirely confidential, of course. So, you know, that is really why we're there, to try and assist people not only through this difficult time, but in other times as well. And it's a sympathetic ear, isn't it? That's quite important, too. It a is. good listener. You've got to be a good listener. Yeah. I mean, that, that really encapsulates the whole thing. You've just got to be a good listener. And uh, as we always say with potential volunteers or people who have expressed an interest in coming to join us, you really haven't got to be an expert. As long as you can listen, you can be empathetic, you're not judgmental, um, and also... You, you know, confidentiality, of course, is one of our key planks in, in, in all of this. Um, but just get alongside the caller. And quite often, um, it's just being able to give them space and time to share something that is causing them difficulty at that time. And it's, that's what matters, really. Giving them time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you know I, I think it's fair to say that if you ever you're talking to a friend and a friend has got a problem, what's the first thing you do? You sort of dive in with perhaps a solution. Uh, well, you should be doing this, that, and the other. That's not what we do. We don't give advice. We're not there to solve the problems, but we're there to be with them as the, the problems are discussed and talked through. And quite often in that opportune moment, um, the caller may very well find a way of, of moving forward. And, and that's what we're, we're trying to achieve. Now, of course, with, with that side of things as well, you've got the other charity, because you, you are a charity. That's what people f seem to forget, aren't they? We are a charity, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, because, I mean, this is another aspect that, um, mm. like all charities, we are suffering lack of donations, and, of course, outreach activities have dried up. Uh, for the time being anyway, but donations uh, is, is what we rely on. Um, our branch is what we call an affiliated branch. We are affiliated to the main Samaritans organization, of course, but we are self-funding. And we, we, I think it's fair to say it costs us about £35,000 a year to run our branch. Um, and the only source of income that we have at the moment is our fantastic charity shop that we've got down in, in um, South Sea, Sam's Place. And um, they're open for business, by the way, again. And um, uh, would you believe it, they're coming up to celebrating their first birthday next month. It's hard wow. to believe, but there we go, you know, a, a, a year chalked up. Which That's amazing, because I remember you coming in and telling us it was going to start. That's right. Where has the year gone? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? But... Um, on that particular aspect, Chris, yeah. if I can sort of give a plug for that, I of mean, if, you can. if people would like to uh, either make a donation to the shop, um, then what I would recommend they do is to go on to our web page. If you type into your search engine Portsmouth uh, Samaritans, you'll come on to our front page. Uh, we've got a wonderful um, web master, I suppose you could call him, Steve, who's done some excellent job on our uh, web page. Well there, there are lots and lots of links that he's got there, yeah. one of which, if you go to the bottom of the page, um, is all about Sam's Place. And if you click on that, uh, you will find um, 
links to signing up as a volunteer. We would like some more volunteers down there. Everybody is welcome. So if you've got some spare time during the week, then you know, do take advantage of the, the signing up procedure that they've got. If, if you've got any items that you want to donate, um, then rather than dropping them off, because you can imagine at this particular time there are various restrictions, but there is a phone number um, that I can quote, which is 02392 um, and that's on the uh, web page as well. So if you'd like to phone in advance and just give an idea as to uh, when you would like to make a donation, then that would be absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Well, there you go. There okay, you go. we'll pause and have a break with some music. And right. you, <laughs> you picked two <laughs> random songs, Chris, that has to be said. They are slightly eclectic, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> then the second one we'll come on to later. Okay. Uh, and I've no, no idea why you want, you want that one, but we'll, we'll no. explain more later. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that from you, I can't imagine. Uh, but, I mean, Owl City is your first one. Tell us why. Yes. Um, well, it's something just appealed to me. It's, yeah. it's, it's quite a... A, an interesting song. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the Samaritans at all. So, um, if my director is listening in, you know there'll be a, a fair amount of leg pulling, I'm sure. So, Brian, you'll just have to live with this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like it or not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's have a listen to Our City. Uh, this is called Umbrella Beach. That's right. Let's have a listen. This is Express FM, local radio for Portsmouth. We're here with uh, Express this week. What's going on throughout the area from now until 9 o'clock tonight? So even to you, right across Portsmouth, right across Fairman, Gosport, and Emsworth, and Clanfield, and Horndean, and Lovedean, and all the other bits in between too, and Havensworth. Hello to you, Hayley Nines. Love that you're looking perky tonight, I'll tell you. Uh, we're back with Chris uh, from the Samaritans, so our profile guests. Uh, secondary song coming up very soon indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll find out why he's chosen it. Uh, always intrigued, Chris, by, I guess, choices of music sometimes. <laughs> and you're no exception. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought you were joking when you, you said this, but uh, uh, anyway. it's a feel-good song, isn't it? That's all we're it saying. Is. It is, and that's what it's all about, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> we could do with that, couldn't we? Let's be honest. Oh, bless you. Uh, now, uh, and Portsmouth, and right across the country, of course, doing excellent work, uh, it, the world's a better place f- for an organisation such as you, mm. really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. um, it's having that person to talk to, isn't it? It is. And, uh, you know, somebody who is completely uh, unknown and, um, you know, quite often it, it is, you know, a good idea to talk to somebody like that rather than a friend. As I said before, you know, yeah. we're not going to be judgmental um, and we're not going to poo-poo anything in any, any small way at all. No, certainly not. And no. It, it, that's why we're there. Yeah, fantastic there. stuff. Uh, now, Samaritans in Portsmouth, how long has it been running? Just to recap, just to give people an idea here. Well, we've been going for, I should think, just over 50 years now. Okay. Um, not been at the same location. We're at uh, 296 <clears throat> London Road, North End. Uh, that's where we are. Um, and having given you the address, you know, I, I needn't really add, but I will, that we're not doing face-to-faces as we normally would do for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so literally getting in contact uh, with us on our um, free phone number, 116123. Um, it's, it's either a call or email, certainly, that uh, you, you can contact us through that. Fantastic. And uh, if, you, if you do need to do it, we'll give you all the details again just before we finish this piece. Lovely. Uh, before Lovely. 8 o'clock, of course. Now, you mentioned outreach. You do a lot of work in the outreach, Chris, don't you? That, this do. is your field, really, isn't it? It, it is. It 
is, and <clears throat> I suppose in a way I'm, I'm sort of um, a deputy director without portfolio at the moment because all of our outreach activities have really, you know, been put on hold until we are able to get out into the community again. Mm. Um, and this is something I'm, I'm passionate about, really, because this is the other side of our operation. Um, the number that I've just quoted, 116123, is a, is a national number. And, of course, the calls we receive come from all over the U.K., um, emails come over from not only the UK but abroad as well sometimes and so it's essential really to make that local connection and this is what outreach is all about getting out into the local community um, and the way in which we do it under normal circumstances is to visit schools um, and introduce children to the Samaritans and help them support emotional health and themselves and their friends and that really is a, a, a tremendous input we have there um, visiting local railway stations and uh, as you may remember we have something like 17 in our particular patch uh, that we cover on a rolling program yeah. and um, that really is to again highlight our presence for the travelling public um, we maintain contact with hospitals and GP surgeries as well um, helping them to understand when they can refer people to us, which they do generally. Um, and then, of course, we have the Veterans Outreach Support, which takes place at the Royal Maritime Club in Queen Street in Portsmouth. And, and again, something uh, like that has been put on hold for the time being. But normally, uh, we go there once a month, and we're one of 30 service providers, uh, again, to give emotional support to veterans and their families. Um, and then we also support our Samaritan colleagues on the Isle of Wight uh, by visiting the prisoners um, in Parkhurst and Albany, um, and we train listeners. Now, the listeners are prisoners who have been trained to the same degree as we are, uh, but of course they work inside the prisons. They're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so we go and train and, and, and um, train the listeners over there. Uh, and then, of course, we also reach out to high-risk groups and communities to reduce the risk of suicide. Um, and that, of course, don't forget, is our mission, to prevent suicide. Um, so that, that really is our, our mission and, our, and the flag we wave all the time. Is but, suicide quite a big problem here in Portsmouth? Um, I would say no more than, than nationally. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the figures, unfortunately, year on year tend not to go down. Um, but I think, you know, Portsmouth, like any other city within the country, has its problems, unemployment, whatever it might be, family issues, um, you, you know, linked to the, uh, the, the dockyard, if you like. We've got a, a big naval community there as well. I, I, you know, lots and lots of pressures on the community, certainly. And I would have said that perhaps the statistics are no worse or better, shall we say, than any other part in the country. So it's difficult to quantify, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it depends on the circumstances too, doesn't a it? Absolutely, absolutely. But I think you know, coming back to what we were discussing earlier, Chris, mm. you know, with the COVID nineteen, um, you know, people's problems, emotional and otherwise, of course, have been in sharper focus. It's um, amplified it, hasn't it? I think it has. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And and uh, you know, I suppose that people have been availing themselves of our services more and more, which is absolutely terrific. That's why we're there. That's why we're there. Yeah. Not, uh, not to hold back. No, indeed not. Indeed not. Mm. Now, volunteers, I mean, what's, 
how are we on the on the volunteer side? Because obviously we're in difficult times. Uh, well, we we are. Um, I mean, we've put in the selection process. Yeah. We, that, that's on hold at the at the moment. But the uh, training of uh, new volunteers, we're hoping to start again in September. All being well. Um, but again, if I can, you know, draw people's attention yeah. to the front page of our website, and if you go down to the bottom. There are two very important buttons. One is volunteer at this branch, and you can find out more on what we do and to register your name if you would like to uh, uh, join us. Um, as long as you're over 18, um, that is all the stipulation that we have. Um, and on the other side, there's another important uh, button, which is donate to this branch. So you might be tempted to click on that as well. Who knows? You, you never know. So <laughs> look at all the details there on your local website, aren't they, on the branch They're website, all there, yeah. and, and the links are all there as well. Um, so if there's anything that you cannot find, then higher up on the page uh, we have a, um, a website link that you can, you can contact us on. And so, you know, if there's anything that you're not clear about well then do do get back to us and, and we'll certainly take it forward from there yeah yeah uh, the, the key to being a volunteer for someone like this is obviously to, as we said earlier of course be a good listener uh and good not listener. judgmental yeah yep don't be judge, judgmental um and um any prejudices that you might have just leave those aside and it, it, it's trying to work alongside the caller to empathize with their situation you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have experienced the situations that they're in. Um, and really, it, it is just to provide a listening ear and space um, and not to dive in with any advice or information in that respect. Certainly not. We're, we're not there to give advice, but we're there to help, if you like, unpack people's difficulties one by one and examine them and, and doing that in a calm manner. Um, quite often allows the caller to move forward and perhaps see a solution to the problem at that time. Mm, yeah, and it's quite important, isn't it? That, it is, yeah. it is, it is. But, you know, riding on that, Chris, if I can just add one other dimension on that, yeah. and that is at the end of a, uh, a call, if the caller doesn't feel as though they have reached a satisfactory conclusion, with their blessing, of course, we can arrange a follow-up call. Um, we can call them back. But I hasten to add we have to get the call uh, the caller to agree to releasing their number to us because, of course, we've got absolutely no idea of where the caller is, their identification or anything. It is completely anonymous. And so it's only with their blessing, if they are wishing to release their number, that we can then call them back at, at a time that is suitable to them um, and try and continue to, to resolve the difficulties that they might be finding themselves in. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, despite all this, a, a busy year, I take it, Chris. Yeah, a busy year. Uh, absolutely right. Uh, not only for our branch, but nationally as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are very, very busy indeed. Yeah. Okay. And all the details of volunteering. Uh, but, you know what? However, they can help if it's admin or if it's been a, a you know a natural caseworker. That's what you call them, isn't it? Caseworker. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say you know go to our web page, yeah. um, type into your search engine uh, Portsmouth Samaritans, and everything will be there for you. It is a, it's a very comprehensive page, umpteen links, um, and there are all sorts of wonderful things that you'll find great interest in. There are statistics and goodness knows what to have a look at as well if you want to delve more deeply into this, but. Do have a look at that page. I, I can't uh, stress that enough. It's got everything there, okay. um, including our Twitter. 
account yeah. as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, and again, the message out there is if someone needs someone to talk to, uh, yeah. finds themselves in a particular situation, perhaps suicidal thoughts, uh, yes. to get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Or anything else that is causing a problem. As, as we've said before, Chris, you don't have to be suicidal mm. to make contact with us. And a, and a good sort of phrase to remember, whatever you're facing, a Samaritan will face it with you. That's a nice way to put it. Chris, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. It's, it's good to know that you're still out there and yep. uh, working hard as ever for everyone there and keeping well, it's everyone safe. Well, to talk to you again and, and thanks for the opportunity. It's our pleasure as always. Keep in touch with you because we'll get I you will. back on the air. Uh, probably by the end of the year, we'll have you back on and have Lovely. a further chat with you. That'll Chris, tell us about song number two. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I thought as it's summer, we ought to have something a little bit more lively. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more than that. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> We're going to do the Macarena, me and you. Yeah, we are. We are. are Chris, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Take okay. care, mate. All the you best. Take care. Bye-bye. Regards to all there. Bye Thank now. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Bye. <laughs> Certainly it's here, nine minutes past eight, sir, tonight, August the 6th, 2020. Express this week, we're here to nine o'clock tonight. What's going on across the area? As I said earlier, playing catch-up, really, uh, for the last seven days and beyond. All sorts of stuff going on, of course, amongst the uh, the usual uh, situation we find ourselves in, I guess. Uh, and certainly, a lot of businesses taking a big hit, and local community functions if you like and uh, a story which i think really kicked off before this sort of happened but uh, hasn't really helped is the uh, local library and certainly in leon Soames and elston in gosports and uh, horndean as well one of the local areas around here in our patch uh, suffered with library closures uh, gosports councillor and leon uh, sorry county councillor from uh, for gosports uh, graham burgess joins me on the line now to discuss this graham good evening to you good evening chris how are you you all right very well, very Good well. Stuff. Almost weekend. Yeah, isn't it just? Isn't it the weather? <laughs> it's gone from one thing to the other, really, isn't it? Very hot indeed. Uh, Graham, libraries, and I mean, um, the state of play really is, of course, we've got Leon Stones, which is uh, on the list, uh, in my for closure, along with Elson in Gosport, and I think we've got Horndean as well, another part of our patch here uh, across our transmission area. Um, <sighs> I mean, this has been on the cast before this kicked off with uh, coronavirus, didn't it? Well, no, it actually kicked off with having to, Hampshire County Council having to save money. But I think they've got it wrong. I mean, mm. you look, Gosport had four libraries. The Discovery Centre, Bridge Mary, Elson and Leon Solent. Fairham yep. have four libraries. Porchester, Fairham, Loxheath and Stubbington. We lost two. We lost 50%. Fairham suffered nothing. All Fairham libraries are there. So, I'm slightly annoyed. Yeah, so, so why was Gosport particularly picked on, Graham? <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I thought we were, we were okay, we had people used it, etc. Uh, of course, the executive member for uh, Heritage and Culture at uh, Hampshire is also the leader of uh, Fairham Borough Council. But I'm not saying that has anything to do with it. Okay. What's the footfall like in Leonson and Elson in Gosport? We're not sure about Horn Dean, but certainly in in, in Elson and Leonson. What, what's the footfall been like? Has it been fairly, fairly good? Well, it has been a steady footfall. Um, and the other thing is, Bridge Mary was saved 
because they said it was in a, uh, a deprived area and what it needed was to keep the library there for the community. Um, otherwise, that would have gone and we'd have lost three out of four. But yes, so we are trying to keep both uh, Leon Serling, which I'm involved with, mm. and Elson, which Councillor Diane Furlong is involved with, along with uh, a young lady, Natasha Hook. They're trying to keep Elson going. We are doing really well on Facebook. We've had over 500 offers of support. I held a meeting with the Lee Business Association Chairman, Jonathan Moore, and a meeting with the Leon Soland Residents Association Vice Chairman, Alison Roast, and we've worked out a way forward and what we want to do. We've had several meetings, and we have another meeting next week, and we've had a lot of experienced personnel coming on board to help us, and I believe we will succeed in keeping Lee Library open, not only as a library, but also as a community hub sort of facilitating other services as well. These are vital, aren't they? Oh, they are vital. They are vital. Um, one of the reasons they said in the report was they can get a bus to Gosport. Well, the buses are every hour at the moment. Mm. So you've got a bus that takes an hour to get to Gosport. You've got the Discovery Centre. You've then got to try and get a bus back. It's the same if you go to Stubbington. Buses every hour. We have uh, an elderly population as, as, as you're well aware, mm. on uh, on the, the seafront and one thing or another, yeah. and you know they can't walk to the bus stops. They can they they can get to the uh, to the library. They use the library. They meet friends there. It keeps them going, and it's part of the community. And that's what we want to do. We want to keep it as part of the community. How do you see the wave going forward, then, Graham? Is it something the community can sort of run uh, as volunteers? Is that what the way you're thinking? That is what we're looking at. I had a meeting with the head of library services uh, last Friday, along with the leader of uh, Gosport Borough Council, and we are looking at trying to provide Gosport Borough Council facilities within the library and a hot desk principle. We're looking at providing additional facilities. We're looking at hiring rooms out for people if they want to use it. We're also looking at the possibility of people who might want to use it as an office, uh, for an hour or so instead of uh, trying to do things at home. Um, the facilities are there. We believe we can keep them going and uh, the community seems to be behind us. Okay. And it's exactly the same for Elson. Diane is doing an extremely good job in Elson. And the, see, what sort of... The way I was thinking when, obviously, we read this sort of story when it first sort of come out about it, uh, is uh, you got the main, as you hinted earlier, we've got the main discovery centre in Gosport. Uh, with Elson and Leon Stone and probably Horndean as well, is there sort of a thought around like a mini discovery centre of sorts? Well, we would have a community hub, which is, so as that you would say, be... could be a, a mini discovery yeah. centre. We believe that with what we're, we're looking at, bearing in mind they want to close the library at the end of December. It'll be closed January for them to take their equipment or various things out. The books will stay. We hope to open in February as a library and as a community hub. Okay. How can the local community jump on board? How can they support your campaign for this? Well, at the moment, we've got uh, a Facebook page. We also are bringing in a, uh, a website shortly. And we like, um, we like Lee at, uh, oh, I've forgotten the, uh, the email address. But if they go onto Facebook yes, and they look on the, my name, either Graham Burgess, or look on the Lee Library, 
they will find all the details. We've had enormous support from people of all walks of society who can do various jobs. We've had people saying they would help to clean. We've had people saying they're happy to, to, to issue books. We've had all kinds of things have been offered. And we have a list of over 500 now. Uh, and that's, what, within 10 days? Well, that's quite a support, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. Liam Solent is a community. We've got the sea, we've got the airfield Daedalus, and we've got the Alba Valley. It is a community in that sense because no one else is around it. And that's why Diane is leading Elson, because Elson, you've got uh, Elson Library, you've got Hardware, you've got Fortin, and Diane's trying to coordinate those three wards to get a response uh, the same as we are doing. We are working with each other. So that's the main thing, is sort of in partnership then, uh, and not leaving yes. the other one out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 we're working together. Fantastic. Okay. So, again, if people want to f- su- support this and Elson or Leon, so they can go onto Facebook, find the details there, yeah? Yes, if, 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 if type in uh, Graham Burgess will find me, they'll find all the details about the library. Uh, we will then uh, add them to the list of our supporters. They'll be contacted to see what they can do, what they can offer, what are their specialisms, etc. And we will have a database of all the volunteers so that we can hopefully fill every position we want to. Fantastic. Well, fingers crossed, you know, it uh, remains open. You get, uh, you know, the community on board and the library's running over because it's, it's, it's essential, isn't it? It's something for kids reading too. That's the other thing about all this. It's the children getting involved as well, isn't it? Well, it is. We're, 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 we're talking to the schools, but the schools are on holiday at the moment. But it's, it's, it's like people like yourself with the local radio station, letting other people know there is a campaign, how can they get on board? We've mentioned how they can get on board, and we're looking forward to their support. So if anyone can, you know, can help out there who's listening tonight, then uh, get in touch with Graham and, uh, and the campaigners there to, to keep Leonson and Allison Libraries open uh, in Gospel. Graham, good to talk to you. Take care. All the best, and we'll talk soon. All right, we'll keep in touch with no us. No problems, Chris. All, right, all the best. Bye. Good to all. Bye. Bye there. Graham Bell just there from uh, Leonson to Councillor and County Councillor for Hampshire County Council as far as Gospel is concerned. Uh, having a chapter is here on the Express this week at almost 19 minutes past eight. Paper. This is Express FM, local radio for Portsmouth. Steady hour right across Portsmouth and South East Hampshire. Thanks for your company. Wherever you happen to be tonight, with Leon Stone, you're in Alston in Gospel, or you're in Fairmore, in Porchester. Where else we've got? Haven't Walked Louisville, Lee Park. Right across Portsmouth, right across Havant and Waterlooville and Hayline and Emsworth as well. All the bits in between. Thanks to your company tonight. Great to have you along. And it's a very warm welcome to our legendary profile second guest tonight here on the show tonight. Uh, Graham Bryant from the Hampshire Astronomical Group. Graham, it's been a while since we've chatted, sir. Good evening. Yes, it has. Hasn't uh, it? Just... With the COVID, we've not been able to meet uh, earlier in the year, but I'm glad to be... Uh, talking to you now yeah it's great to have you with us Graham um, you've been keeping well and keeping safe absolutely good yes, stuff so that's far what, that's so what good. we like to hear that's what we like to hear so much to talk about I don't know where to start really um, because we've had all sorts of things that I wish we could have spoken about um, under normal circumstances and it would be nice to we can sit here in the studio have tea have a chat about um, I, I mean the big thing of course last weekend was SpaceX wasn't it 
it was indeed, yes, which was absolutely incredible that, um, you know, the uh, private company SpaceX has uh, developed and uh, launched uh, humans to low Earth orbit. Uh, of course, that came on as a result of the retirement of the space shuttle. Uh, so uh, it's been 10 years um, uh, in the making. Yeah. And uh, SpaceX have done an excellent job of it, really. It, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel excited about it? Yes, I mean, it's, the, the commercialization is a, a fantastic element about this because what they're saying basically is that if you've got money and you want to start exploring various aspects of space, then you can do that. It's not the preserve of government organizations like NASA or mm. uh, the Russians or the, the Chinese and so on. Uh, there's private companies and, uh, you know, you can get a ride into orbit if you've got the money to do that. So yeah. um, it wasn't always quite that easy with uh, government organizations. No, this is very true. Do you think, you know, because of Elon Musk, I mean, he's had a hand in it somewhere, isn't he? Uh, is it, I hate to use the word, but is it a game changer? Yes, I think in a word it is, yes, because um, Boeing are also involved here. There are a number of other organisations, uh, certainly in America, who are looking uh, to uh, uh, start up spaceflight. And I think we have to look at this as being like the, the start of space flights in the way in which commercial air, uh, airline travel uh, started to take off. You know, initially it was uh, in the preserve of the few. Uh, people who had money could uh, fly. But now, of course, well, apart from the COVID, the recent experiences, uh, but generally speaking, you know, people fly all over the place. And, uh, and I think what's gonna, this is part of that um, uh, movement into uh, space travel for uh, people i don't think the uh, should we say the, the, the ordinary folk like myself would ever be able to afford that just yet but who knows in the future price of this may come down and it may become affordable you just don't know it's very interesting to, to sort of watch all this unfold really i mean it was a piece of history wasn't it it was yes uh, this is the first time that um, americans have splashed down in the sea for 45 years um, it was the Apollo-Soyuz uh, uh, mission uh, in the mid-70s, or the last time they had a splashdown. And um, every landing after that has either been with the shuttle, uh, which is on land, or through the Soyuz, the Russians. And they land um, in the, the Kazakhstan area, in, um, you know, on land, so to speak. So this is the first splashdown. And, and uh, SpaceX announced where it was going to be. So lots of people in their private boats went out, and they witnessed this and of course a bit of a problem SpaceX said they probably won't announce it quite so um, openly in the future because uh, there was concern for their safety with some of the volatiles that uh, boil off the uh, spacecraft afterwards they can be quite toxic so they were worried about some of the, the locals but clearly people were really uh, riveted and interested in this um, this event See what I'm intrigued about is because obviously when the, the capsule was landed as it were into the sea there how did it, I mean, does it use a sat-nav or something? How does it know where to sort of actually physically land? Yes, well, this is uh, pre-planned a long time in advance. So uh, your landing site is, is determined whilst you're in orbit. And so then they have their, uh, their touchdown point, and then the deorbit burn determines where you're going to land. And so that's all uh, clearly laid out. But yes, they did on board have uh, software which was uh, determining exactly where they were. And although you've got this capsule, people think with the um, 
the shuttle, you can fly it, and so on. And that's absolutely right. What people are not aware is that you can also fly, in inverted commas, these capsules as well by just changing the slight orientation of the uh, spacecraft as it's coming through the atmosphere. You can kind of like skip along a bit and then drop down to get a very precise landing uh, zone. So, um, yeah, you do, in a sense, fly them. Although, uh, to be honest, the astronauts themselves weren't in, in control of flying it. It was all done by computers and, uh, as you say, you know, satellite navigation. And so on. It's fascinating yeah, to, it to, to witness all this. And of course, other nations are trying their hand at it as well, aren't they? They are. There's a, a lot uh, of nations trying to get on board now. You've got the UAE, uh, just sent a, a probe to Mars. China is involved. India is involved. Uh, and, and many, many countries all around the world. Uh, and it's not about just going up there and exploring space. The thing that a lot of people fail to understand is that when you're starting to put together spacecraft and all the hardware and the infrastructure, you've got to start getting your own uh, technologies and industry behind that and so what these things do is to motivate um, industry within that country and that then accelerates into other aspects as well so a lot of people say well you know we're spending millions or billions whatever on space we don't go up there and leave a big pile of um, American dollars up in space all that money is spent on the ground in people's jobs and in infrastructure on the ground which has other uses so that's why a lot of uh, nations and countries want to get involved with this, yeah. Yeah, and it's fascinating, isn't it? And there's still those cynics out there who don't actually believe this This is actually real, you know. I know, I've seen uh, some of those as well. But, mm. um, uh, you're always going to get these people. Uh, yeah. but I, I, I can't um, argue against these people because they have their very, very fixed views, and very often they're not amenable to the logic of the the argument. Yeah. Whatever you throw at them in terms of the logic, the explanation, it's well, I don't believe it. And so, okay, fine, don't believe it, but it's happening out there anyway. Yeah. And uh, that is the wonderful thing, of course, with all this is there, and we can all see the end results of that. Yeah, it's fascinating. And we look forward because it's going to be refurbished, isn't it? The actual SpaceX craft it itself. Is. Yeah, and this is one of the things about SpaceX, which is different from all others, with no. the exception of the shuttle um, solid rocket boosters. They were reused. And of course, the shuttle was as well. But in terms of uh, the basic core rockets and the capsules and so on, SpaceX is reusing. And that, that's been one of their raison d'etre. They, that's what they do. They refurbish and refly. And that keeps the cost down. And so SpaceX were able to launch uh, payloads into Earth orbit, uh, this is commercial satellites, and do it far, far cheaper than many, many other uh, uh, launch carriers around the world because they reuse the, the equipment, refurbish it, and then relaunch. And it's the same with the capsule. That's got to be refurbished, and it will be relaunched again. Yep. Yeah. There is a set number of the times that you can use them, um, but uh, nonetheless, you're not building uh, and then throwing away, which no. is what has happened up to now. No. Yeah. So basically, they've been recycled in some ways, aren't they? Indeed. Yeah. Exactly, exactly now, that. There is going to be another launch in September, yeah? That's right, yes. Uh, it's going to have another launch. And of course, we're also keeping an eye out for the, the, uh, the Boeing company with uh, theirs as well. They had a slight mishap earlier in the uh, their, uh, program where they launched and the uh, computer failure, the uh, spacecraft didn't get up into the orbit. Now, a lot of the people around them were saying, had you had a crew on board, we could have overridden the computers and continued and got into orbit. So um, 
the Boeing company are going to have to do another uncrewed test flight. But, of course, SpaceX have done all that. They've had their first crew, yeah. and they've got another one, as you say, uh, in a very short while. Yeah, it's four of them going up this time, isn't it, I think? Yes. I yeah. mean, the spacecraft can take seven in total. Right. So uh, they are just uh, incrementally uh, ratcheting up the numbers. Because at the end of the day, you've got to bear in mind that the numbers of people who can actually live on the, the space station, so you can't overpopulate that. You know, there's a set number there with the infrastructure in the uh, space station. So uh, that's, uh, that's always worth bearing in mind. But it can take seven up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, of course, there's going to be another space launch to the moon as well. Yes, um, there's the, of course, we mustn't forget the moon. It's uh, been a long time since we've been there. So uh, there's uh, lots of flights uh, uh, planned, uh, unmanned, and, of course, they, they've got their eyes on uh, a, a manned flight to the moon. And um, Brinstein, the NASA administrator, wants to get a crew onto the moon by 2024. Now, that, that is pretty... Um, uh, ambitious target, only four years away, um, but we'll have to see what they do. Uh, there's a, a lot of spacecraft going out there, robots, looking for presence of water. And if they find that and then they can use that, that also becomes a game changer. Because if you can use that ice, you can melt it, you can uh, use it, you can uh, break the, uh, uh, the water down and you can breathe the oxygen and also you can use it as fuel. And so uh, it's, it's going to be very, very useful to find that. So um, that's what they're up to at the moment, yeah. Yeah. Do you think there will be life on Mars? I don't think there will be life on Mars. I suspect they may find that life has been on Mars. Now, whether the current suite of robots and the rovers that have been going uh, uh, out there in the, the, the Curiosity on the, on the surface now, um, Perseverance, which is on its way, whether they will have the ability to detect that or what, I don't know. Um, if you can imagine, if you'd had a spacecraft landed one or two on this planet and you wanted to find a particular signature of something, you know, you've got to be very, very lucky to land it in precisely the right place. Now, of course, there's a lot of satellites going around Mars. They are looking down at the surface and that's one of the things with the Perseverance rover is they're going to be landing in uh, Jezero Crater, which they think was an old ancient lake. Um, at the, the time of 800 um, feet uh, deep at the time. This is about three and a half billion years ago. But it's suspected that life took hold on Earth during that time. You know, it would have been microbial, been very, it wouldn't have been complex life. And so what they're looking for is evidence that that was there again. So it's interesting. No, the perseverance is going to be collecting samples and leaving them in various strategic places so that they can then go and pick them up and later on and bring that back. And I think it's when you start bringing the uh, samples back to Earth, you can then start uh, subjecting the samples to a whole array of scientific inquiry, then I think that's going to be a better opportunity to see whether or not life existed on Mars in the past. Wow, and that'd be some way off, I'd imagine. Not too far. They're hoping uh, not too not too distant future. Wow. I mean, of course, it does depend on how this one goes. You know, that it's got to land. You know, the landing yeah. is going to be pretty tricky. When they landed the Curiosity rover, they did, the engineers described it as seven minutes of hell <laughs> <laughs> because it was, uh, it was a new, novel way of landing a rover. And this one's going to come down in the same way. So, you know, 50% of the probes that go to Mars fail. Mm. 
so there's no guarantee that this will actually touch down on the surface. So it's, it's a very tricky place to get to uh, on the surface. You can get to orbit without too much trouble, relatively speaking, but even so, they've lost satellites on the way there as well. So uh, it's, it's no mean feat to get down onto the surface. I think they've often described the atmosphere as uh, um, too thin to use a parachute and too thick uh, to do just a rocket re-entry. You've got to use a combination of um, heat shields and um, parachutes, and that makes it a jolly difficult uh, route does. down. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Graham, we're going to chat some more and play your first bit of music, Sting and Fields of Gold. Any particular reason why? I just love the... I, I love Sting, that's great, and uh, this is just a, a wonderful song, and, you know, you're going, walking around with the COVID, we've been walking around the country lanes and so on, and you can look out there and you can see those fields of gold, and I thought that would be a nice song to have. Let's have a listen to this. Thank you. Sixty minutes away for night. Just trying to tell the time there. Uh, Express this week, we're here to nine o'clock. Then the Chasmoister is here, but he's not here. <laughs> I'll explain all in moments, uh, in about ten minutes or so. Uh, it's all very, rather complicated, but anyway, he will be here in some shape or form after nine o'clock tonight, ready to rock your socks off. That's still ahead here at Express. But back with our profile guest, Graham Bryan from the Hampshire Astronomical Group. Uh, we're talking lots here, so we're trying to get through as much as we can, in actual fact. But uh, comets, now, they're in the sky still, aren't they? Yes, uh, we've been uh, fortunate to see an absolutely fantastic comet. Now, as you say, uh, Chris, there are comets in the sky all the time. Yeah. Most of the time, they are very faint, and you need telescopes to see them. And they don't have those nice, wonderful tails that we associate comets with. But recently, we've been uh, uh, privy to uh, a wonderful apparition of Comet Neowise. And we've been seeing that in our northern skies for a couple of months now. And uh, certainly during the end of July, it became a naked eye object. And uh, uh, I've been showing a number of people the comet, and it's been absolutely glorious. Fantastic. Where's the best sort of viewpoint then to see the comets? Well, that comet was best seen if you had a good, clear northern right. horizon. Uh, so uh, at the early, mid-early part of July, it was in the um, morning sky, and then it became what we call circumpolar. So it never set, but it became better seen in the very early hours of the morning. That was in the early part of uh, uh, July into the mid-July. And then towards the end of July, when it started to brighten, it was best seen in the evening. So that's when a lot of people were able to see that and got good views of that. And certainly in the local press, lots of people were showing images of the comet. And a lot of astronomer friends that I've got have been taking some absolutely cracking images of the comet. So it's been really good. And just to see it naked eye, we haven't had one of those for oh, at least a decade. You know, that you could just look up in the sky and see, oh, there's a comet. Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And when's the next one? <laughs> if only I knew, Chris, if only I knew. <laughs> um, you never know with these things. Um, as I say, there are comets around, so you can predict the movement of those, but they tend not to become very bright. Uh, it's these uh, interlopers, uh, like Neowise, which comes around about every 6,800 years, something like that. So effectively, it's a once-in-a-lifetime for those. And it's when they start creeping into the solar system, then uh, they can get quite bright. And uh, we always hope for a really bright comet. So um, 
and this one didn't disappoint. It no. was good. Very nice indeed. Of course, on the website, your website there, on the Hampshire Astronomical Group, there's all sorts of uh, planetary activity uh, events sort of thing uh, for August for, for this year on there, isn't there? So yes, people can sort of, you know, look for whatever planets. Or what's planets. going on, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and meteor showers too, which uh, we don't get a lot of, do we? Well, we don't in the early part of the year. The, uh, in January, you get a nice sharp peak of what's called the Quadrantids. This is from a very old uh, constellation which no longer exists of quadrants. Um, but uh, that doesn't exist, that constellation. But the meteor shower is still there. Mm. But it's a very sharp peak. And if, you, uh, if it occurs during the time when we're in daytime, we miss it. But the, the favourite, the old faithfuls, if you like, uh, start towards the uh, middle and then through to the end of the year. So really, we've, we've got uh, into that season now. So if you go out tonight, it's going to be a clear night tonight, and look up, you're likely to start to see some meteors. And then as we approach the 12th of August, that's the maximum of the Perseid meteor shower. And so in uh, that meteor shower, if you are able to see the entire sky from horizon to horizon, unobstructed by clouds, trees, buildings and so on, and you had a, a fish eye eyeball, so to speak, of course we haven't got that, but if you could look at the entire sky, you could see up to about 100 meteors an hour. Wow. Now, when you're just going out yourself looking, you can't see the entire sky. We don't have that kind of vision. Mm. So we will be seeing uh, 30 or 40 an hour, something like that. So one every couple of minutes. But like these things, you know, you may get two or three in one quick succession, and then you might get five or six minutes before you see another one. So they're not uh, regular in that hour hourly rate. But um, the, the Perseid meteor shower is an old faithful. It always performs, sometimes even better. Uh, and when I was a lad, they would say about 60 meters an hour. Now we're seeing about 100 meters an hour. So that's really good. That's really good. And there are a number of other meteor showers during the latter part of the year. And we conclude with the Geminid meteor shower. And so the origin of that is in Gemini. The origin of the Perseids is in Perseus. So uh, the, the Geminid meteor shower, and that's uh, just before Christmas. And again, that's another one where you can see up to about 100 meteors an hour. And those ones are really quite bright. Uh, the Perseids are pretty bright as well, but the Geminids are even brighter because that's uh, the Geminids are made of bits of rock from an old asteroid, whereas the particles that we see in the Perseids come from a comet, uh, and that's uh, Comet Swift-Tuttle. Discovered by two uh, gentlemen, Mr. Swift and Mr. Tuttle. They both discovered that uh, and uh, characterized the orbit, and we associate the meteors from all the dust that was given off by that comet. And it just leaves a big ring around the solar system, and the Earth passes through that ring at certain times in the year. And so this one is when we pass through. Maximum is, I say, on the 12th. But you can see those meteors any time between July the 17th to August the 24th. Not very high numbers in the early and latter part, and it ramps up rapidly as we get to the 12th of August. Yeah. So if you've got some good clear skies, I recommend people find a nice dark spot, um, a nice warm coat. It can get quite cool uh, even at, uh, in the height of summer when you're about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and um, have a good look at the sky. It doesn't matter where you look, you will see them. They're all over the sky. And um, have, have some fun. Yeah. Have some fun, even at two o'clock in the morning. Have some fun. <laughs> Look <laughs> yeah. at the sky. Uh, and I guess it's a busy time then, is it? it you know, looking upwards. 
this time of the year? Yeah, it is. Um, of course, with the, uh, the, the, the summertime, you yeah. tend not to get astronomical darkness, so it doesn't get absolutely, completely dark. Now, when you go outside, it looks dark, and that's fine. But when you're looking through a telescope and uh, looking for objects pretty faint, then they're not quite as clear as when you look at the sky at other times. Mm. But now we're into August, we do get astronomical darkness. It's a good time to look at the night sky. You've got the Milky Way there. There's lots of wonderful constellations through the Milky Way. And um, as I say, you'll see that pop marked with um, meteors and a few satellites. You know, so that, that's really wonderful. And as we've got uh, a very bright object in the southern sky at the moment is Jupiter. And just to the left of that is Saturn. And then towards uh, October, we should be seeing Mars getting very bright uh, in our southern sky. So uh, we shall be knowing that they've got some satellites on their way to Mars and take a pair of binoculars or a small telescope and you can see some of the features on Mars during the sort of October when the Mars is its closest to us. Well, yeah. fantastic. Uh, now, what about this uh, constellation? Now, there seems to be another one, but you, it's been around for some time, you were saying, to be off air. It has, yes, yes. Ophiuchus. There's a lot of uh, problems in sometimes pronouncing that. But <laughs> Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus. Uh, Ophiuchus, yes. Now, um, NASA recently declared that there should be 13 zodiacal signs. We've been used to the zodiacal signs of being 12. Yeah. And, you know, the Gemini, uh, Taurus, and um, uh, Sagittarius, Scorpio, and so on. Uh, so they've uh, included an extra one. And that is because the uh, ecliptic, which is the path which the sun appears to take through our sky, goes through that constellation. And it passes through that constellation between November the 29th and December the 27th. So if you are born between those two dates, then you will become an Ophiuchan or an Ophiuchus, uh, if, you, if you will. Now, if you're going to ask me what kind of characters that is going to impart upon anyone born, I have absolutely no idea, <laughs> except to say that Ophiuchus uh, represents uh, Asclepius in mythology, and he was a healer. And uh, he used to heal um, uh, reptiles and so on and uh, started to uh, heal some people. And the gods didn't like this because they were making them immortal. So they struck Asclepius down and um, uh, they felt a bit guilty about that. So they put him up into the sky as a constellation. And so to represent his healing of the uh, reptiles, there is a snake wrapped around him. Now, if you look at any medical um, institution, they will have a staff with a snake around it, which represents the healing. And that's what they, where it comes from, Asclepius, Ophiuchus. So, Fantastic. Uh, maybe they're, they're going to be good healers. Who knows? Who knows? Who, Who knows, knows indeed? We're rapidly running out of time here, Graham, because I want to get you your final song before we close the show tonight. But if people want to find out more about the Hampshire Astronomical Group and indeed, of course, the observatory, which is sort of hooked onto the back of that, uh, the Clanford Observatory, which is an amazing place. We had the pleasure of uh, again, taking the show up there last year uh, yes. to see it all. Uh, I, I, I guess things at the moment are a bit sketchy. But they when are things are proper, yes, yeah, yes, which is awful. Right. Um, um, the problem is having lots of people up there. Is yeah. 
you can't social distance. So, um, sure. But we are desperate to try and open up at some point where it's safe to do so. We all really want to show people the night sky. But just keep an eye on the website and um, we will uh, announce it on the website and uh, people can start booking tickets. Uh, we would like to think early next year, but we don't know. Um, it does depend on what the COVID yeah, uh, sure. virus does, really, at this point in sure time. Sure thing. And the website address is hansastro.org.uk. Yep. Correct. That's Fantastic. And all the, I mean, it's updated regularly, and it's an amazing site too, uh, very informative and all sorts of things on there. Uh, and you can even join Graham for a course if you want to as well. The details are on there Definitely. as well. Uh, yep. and, uh, and it's fascinating stuff. Graham, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And Thanks, Chris. It's been uh, a pleasure for me too. Absolutely. And we'll get you back on. I'm sure there's plenty more we can talk about because we've got to make up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And there's plenty more to, to talk about and some more exciting things coming on later on in the year. So we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get you on. Hopefully we can get you on before the end of the year's out. That would be nice and just have a, a quick yes, catch I'd up. I look and, forward to that. Yeah, and draw Good. a line there. Tell us about your second bit of music, Graham. Uh, yes, um, it's um, Band of Gold by Frida Payne. Uh, this is a song that I remember being played when I was a lot younger, and it was just a wonderful song. Um, and, you know, kind of aware that, you know, it's about relationships and things like that. And it's really important at this time when, you know, we've been in lockdown that we've had to have relationships. And this is a, a rather poignant song, but I thought it was, it was a lovely song anyway, so I thought... <laughs> Why don't we play it? Yeah, and yeah. have a good listen yeah. to it. Graham, thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. Fantastic. Take care Thank of yourself. You very much, Chris. Cheers. Bye now. Bye bye. Fantastic stuff from Frida Payne, Band of Gold, that for 1970. Finishing things off on this Thursday. Now, thanks, you company. What a show, eh? God, dear, we could have chatted more with Graham, but we ran out of time. But thanks to Graham. Thanks to all my guests tonight, in actual fact. Chris from Samaritans, uh, Jeff Kilby, our independent travel agent, uh, Councillor Graham Burgess, and, of course, uh, Graham from the Hampshire Astronomical Group. Chaz is here, but he's not. He's at home. Yep, Chaz is at home. Chaz Towers bring you... Our third night rock show. That's on the way very soon indeed. They'll be here with that. Uh, this is Chris Pierce, Safety Company, Action Pack Program for you. Uh, next week, same time, 7 o'clock, our two hour shindig here at Express. Whatever you're doing, stay safe. Keep cool too. Have a fabulous seven days. No, no, now.